You're listening to the Brown Sign Project podcast. Introducing Meridian Experience from Retail Integration, the leading multi-channel ticketing, retail and membership system for visitor attractions. Working with visitor attractions for over 25 years, Retail Integration have developed the ultimate solution that enables some of Ireland's leading visitor attractions manage every aspect of their business, from ticketing and admissions to merchandising, food and loyalty programs in one single system. Customer experience is at the heart of what we do. Contact us today and let retail integration help you to exceed visitor expectations. We listen, we develop, we deliver. Hello and welcome to the Brown Sign Project, the podcast that talks to some influential and engaging voices in the tourist attractions industry. I'm Carlton Gadgetal. And I'm Carly Strawn. In this episode, we'd like to bring you a conversation with Phil Royle, who is Global Experiences and Standards Divisional Director of Legoland. As well as telling us what that role entails, Phil takes us through his career within Merlin Entertainers and discuss a bit about the variety of jobs within the tourist attractions industry and what it has to offer. As well, we find out how Phil sees the future of combining the digital and physical world. We're also talking about how working in escapism and leisure can sometimes be a little bit strange when you need time outside of work. And it's really important to discover some interests and hobbies outside of your role. And thanks as ever to our series sponsors, Staff Savvy and Retail Integration. Now onto our conversation with Phil. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening. No matter where you are, welcome to the show. Um, We are so excited to have another speaker for us but before we get to our speaker Carly how are you today I'm very good I am very good I like being in the time zone middle being in the time zone sandwich it's good it's where I belong (laughs) (laughs) that's good because I know you've been traveling quite a bit for the past couple of weeks so (laughs) you must be so glad to be home I am I am always that's good that's good so yes um let's start let's start this show um we've got an amazing person who's had 22 years experience working in the industry um and let me just in- introduce you to phil hello phil welcome to the show hey guys how are you yeah we're good we're good we're good um phil can you just give us a quick introduction about you what you do in the world of tourist attractions absolutely uh, i'm the divisional director of global experiences and standards for the legoland parks and resorts um one of the merlin entertainments group companies so uh, Merlin Entertainment's second largest visitor, visitor attraction company in the world. So um, very, uh, very excited to be able to, to to do the job that I do for them. That's awesome. Um, so we, we've got something in common, as we've discussed, that we've all worked at Merlin before. So it was, it was quite nice to kind of discuss our experiences together. Um, I love it. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fantastic. So I'll, I'll hand it over to Carly. Carly, do you want to start with the first question? Yeah, I can. So, Phil, you spent 22 years in the same company, which is quite an achievement, I have to say. Um, what did you do? Do you have a do you have any qualifications in tourism? Did you is that what you thought you would do when you were growing up? What did you study and kind of how did you get 
to starting those 22 years? What did that look yeah, like? Yeah, absolutely. No, the, the answer to your question, no, I don't. I uh, I actually studied IT. I thought I was going to go into the exciting world of IT. And, uh, and I started a summer job at Chessington World of Adventures in the United Kingdom. And I worked there for about five years within operations. It was quite close to my family home. And at one point during that time, I became kind of what we call permanent. Um, and then there was a job at the at the London Eye, which is our observation wheel in London. And I applied for that job. And just after I got that job, my grandparents actually said to me, oh, we're, we're actually really proud of you. We didn't think you'd stay within this industry. And now you've got a real job. And I kind of sat there and thought, oh, was my, was my job before not real but it was, uh, it was quite it, it, it was quite that's... an interesting kind of interaction that I had with with my <laughs> grandparents who who didn't see um the industry as 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 a real job um in a way which was you know kind of shocking to me but I you know I kind of understood um so yeah then I went I went to the to the London Eye and um I worked within ride operations at the London Eye uh, and I was there for about 4 years. Uh, while I was there I worked on uh, worked with some of our other attractions in London. It's actually at the London Eye where I met my my now wife so it's uh, so it's pretty cool so she's also been a, an employee of Merlin Entertainment's group as well. Um and then after about four years, I uh, applied for a job. I applied for two jobs. Uh, one was in Weymouth, at one of our aquariums in, in Weymouth in, in the United Kingdom. And then another was at a, a location that I'd never been to before, didn't really know where it was, and that was Hollywood, California, for Madame Tussauds Hollywood. And I applied for both jobs. Um, and I got the Hollywood job, which was kind of crazy. So I, I then moved out to the United States in, in 2009, and uh, I've been here ever since. Um so I've lived in uh, California, I've lived in Texas, I've lived in Florida, I've new- lived in New York State. And, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've opened various attractions for Merlin uh, during that time um, within the Madame Tussauds brand, the Sea Life brand, Legoland Discovery Centers, and then our Legoland Parks. So kind of that fast forward a little bit to kind of, uh, you know, when I moved to Legoland, Florida, I was there looking after our guest experience and our product development. And I was there for about four years. And one day I was asked, hey, we're, we're building a park in New York. We need someone to to go to New York and uh, kind of head up the operation and kind of kick it off as a project. Would you like to do that? I said, yeah, I'd like to do that. And I and then they said, well, you've kind of got until tomorrow morning to to give us a yes. So I had a very short amount of time to uh, to make that decision. Um and then moved to lovely New York State. Actually, it's where I am now um, you know, recording this podcast. I'm actually visiting our, our Legoland Park here in New York at the moment. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of where I got to uh, up until about 2016. And um, from 2016 onwards, it was working on the project and getting our project approved uh, for, via the local government. We got that approved about 18 months later. Uh, and then we got it under construction, uh, you know, a 550-acre, $500 million theme park, 65 miles northwest of Manhattan, um, third Legoland Park in North America, joining Legoland California, Legoland Florida. Um, and it was a, a fantastic project. Um, it really, really was. I was then asked towards the end of 2019, uh, just before we were supposed to open in 2020, to uh, move over to Korea to head up our construction and our operational development for our park in Korea. So my wife and I, we moved to to Korea and um, 
we got there kind of middle of January 2020, just before the world really started to shut down. Uh, at that point, we then decided we were going to open Legoland New York in 2021 because of what was happening in the world. And um, so we lived in Korea for about three and a half years. We opened Legoland Korea, our 10th Legoland Park, uh, just last year in 2022. And then at the end of 2022, I moved back to the United States. My home is about seven minutes away from Legoland Florida Resort. And then I started a new job in January, uh, which is looking after all of our global experiences and standards across the 10 parks. And that's where we are today. Wow. What a a flight. Sorry, I'll I'll, I'll take a breath. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you sit down and take a breath for a second. That's incredible. I mean, when we talk to people about, I, I love what you said about, you know, your your grandparents saying, oh, you've got a real job now. Because, I mean, that is a running joke um, on yeah, on this absolutely. podcast, but also yeah. in lives in general is, you know, I always say to people, I, I joined Madame Tussauds in 20, 2007, I think. Um, awesome. And, you know, with the idea that I'd go for three months and, and then I'd get a real job, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> still waiting for that real job to to materialize (laughs) not not sure at what point you get that when you then say to people you know but this job can take you around the world this job can you know you'll meet your future partner there and you'll do all this amazing stuff and I think that's a real testament to how unique our industry is and 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 how interesting and and all of the roles that are possible there so yeah but but even like even like a life-changing experience you getting married work in different in, in environments that you would not normally do it, it's literally life-changing for some people so and that's oh, kind yeah, of why absolutely. i love it i I, lo- I love working in this industry yeah absolutely absolutely my uh my wife was uh at one point a, a singer at the alton towers hotel and then she worked in hospitality at the london eye and uh you know she's she's still within the kind of the uh the, the wedding planning and kind of uh lifestyle industry um but yeah, we you know we, we we met within this within this industry, and and people do they do meet their partners and they do meet their best friends. And my you know my my best friends today are still you know within the industry, or you know if they've moved away from the industry, they've been in it a long time. Yeah, absolutely. Same with me. I'm still in contact with my my first ever team. Um, back That's amazing. In the day. Yeah, it's it's really awesome. So um, I'm going to ask you a really hard question. Um, okay. Um, next, if that's all right. What is absolutely? Best, what is the best thing about your job? Because you've done so much, and it sounds amazing. But what is the best thing? Uh, to be honest, the best thing about my job has always kind of stayed pretty consistent. Uh, the way I look at it, when I talk about why I enjoy working in our industry, people pay really good money, a lot of money to come visit our attractions. And and they, 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 you know, maybe they come once a year, maybe they come twice a year. I get paid to have the same amount of fun as them, right? So, you know, yesterday I was walking around our Legoland New York Resort Park. I get to go on some rides. I get to look at things. We're launching a, a fabulous new water play area here today in New York. Um, and so I, so I see that people come and have fun and, and, you know, explore our theme parks and our business. And, and I get paid to do that as part of my day-to-day job and and to meet the people that I meet. And so that, that's what I love about it. And did you, sorry, did, did I just say you say you're launching something new today? You are- yeah, br- 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 brand new today. So it is, um, wow. you know, it is 10 o'clock, 25 past 10 in, in about 40 minutes. Uh, our team here are launching a brand new uh, water playground here at Legoland New York Resort. So 
you know, bringing splash and water play to uh, to our New York park in in upstate New York. It, it's it's something that people are very excited for. They had an annual pass holders event uh, just yesterday, and um, you know, I got to see people running around and kids running around, and our staff getting soaked. Uh, for the first time. So, yes, it's it, it's launching uh, and opening to our guests in about 40 minutes' time. That's amazing. I think there is nothing like an opening day. I think I say this to people Absolutely. all the time. You just, you, that, that's what keeps us in the industry, right? <laughs> It does. And, and, and there's so many, so many functions and so many people that go into that. Uh, you know, just yesterday, I'm, I'm stood there talking with our health and safety director about various floor finishes that, you know, that we've, we've tried and tested on, you know, on various water play structures. And so, yes, you know, you can stand there and you can have a really exciting conversation about floor finishes, or you can be talking to the retail team about what kind of uh, swimming costumes and you know and towels we sell? It's there's a lot of people that go into the operation, but then there's also a lot of people that have been working on this project for the last year and a half, two years to construct it and to get it approved. And you know, and the team here have worked really, really hard um, during you know quite challenging times within the industry of getting supplies and resources to, to make this happen. Yeah, that's incredible. I mean, you've you've given us so many reasons already, but if you were to distill kind of the experience that you've had over the 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 you know past twenty two years of your career, is what do you think is the the reasons that people should join the sector? So if they're thinking, you know, as I was once upon a time, do I go and become a recruitment consultant or do I go and work in the shop at Madame Tussauds? <laughs> yeah, you know what what is it you think that sort of gives us the edge? Again, it goes back to, you know, what I was just saying about why I enjoy working in the industry. You you get to be part of someone's fantastic day, right? Their, their special memory, their, their birthday gift to their child, their family reunion. You get to help be part of that. And in a world where we've all gone through you know, the last couple of years with COVID, everybody wants that fantastical escapism now. Everyone wants to escape. They want to escape the real world. They don't want to be worried about what may be going on in their life. Um, they want to just escape, have fun with their family, have fun with their children. Um, and, uh, you know, and we get to be a part of that. And the the, the tourism and the, the leisure industry is so vast, people probably don't realise that many, many jobs form part of that. And, to me, to me, it all starts at your airport, right? Those those people working in the airport are, are part of our industry. They are getting us on our way. And, you know, the people at the hotel and the people at the car rental and, you know, the people at the, 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 the attraction, they are all part of our industry and making sure that we can escape the real world and have some fun. Yeah, that's really nice. I think when we think about the industry, it's really easy to jump to the jobs that you see all the time. So Absolutely. You think, yeah. Oh, you know, I've probably told this story on the podcast before, but when I, I used to work um, in recruitment for the, the industry, for the theme parks especially, people would come to those events and say, you know, I'm too qualified to work there. Hang on, who do you, th- you know, who, who do you think is doing the finances and the safety Absolutely. Check? You know that this isn't a job of unskilled labor. This is an industry of extremely skilled individuals, um, in whatever skills it is that they bring to it. So yeah, I think it's a, a great, um, a great industry. Absolutely, we 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 have a vast team of engineers and creative designers and people who you know help us design our projects to then 
as you said, you know, amazing finance people who who you know who who are far better than I am at counting money. You know, that's that's not one of my favorite tasks in the world. It's my my favorite task is spending money, not counting it. So the amazing marketeers that we have who who help us bring our product to be you know to be seen on, on the world stage and, and there is so many roles within this industry that aren't seen we're the largest aquarium operator in the world with over 47 aquariums around the world and there's a whole team of people back of house who are looking after the animals and you might not necessarily see them but they're there to to ensure that our our animals are cared for you know we've got chessington world adventures in the uk which is you know our fantastic animal themed theme park there's a whole load of people there who are looking after lions and tigers and birds and snakes and other reptiles that you might not see day to day but there's some amazing jobs within our industry yeah absolutely uh, thank you very much for sharing that and kind of opening everyone's eyes into it because i think a lot of people don't realize the vast amount of varied jobs in our industry and what people can do do you spend hours creating your rotors and then spend days constantly adjusting them we have the solution at staff savvy we specialize in shift schedules and timesheet solutions for visitor attractions easily manage multiple complex teams of permanent casual freelance and volunteer staff across different locations and disciplines with fast communication features, automatic compliance tools, training management, and simple timesheet tools, Staff Savvy has been used and trusted by organizations such as V&A Dundee, the Southbank Centre, and the Royal Albert Hall, with great cost-saving benefits. Visit us at staffsavvy.com forward slash brown sign project to learn more and schedule a demo of our magic rotor button. You're listening to the Brown Sign Project podcast. I want to kind of touch up on something that I think you've had a lot of experience with, and that is change, especially change in our industry from COVID to kind of um, the financial recession, all that kind of stuff. So with your experience, um, how, how was your job um, change or evolve in the next five to 10 years? Um and there's a second part to this question, if that's okay. So let's just start with five to ten years. What do you think it's going to look like? Look, I think I think the, the world is changing rapidly. I think obviously we're we're all talking about digital experiences. Um, we're actually talking about digital within our world, so that's the physical digital world, um, and ensuring that. You know, we, we don't just throw something digital at, at a business just for the sake of it. You know, we, we, it has to be meaningful. It has to be interactive. It has to work, right? A lot of our digital experiences in, in the world don't always work as perfectly as they should. But I personally believe at some point as well, we need to remember we can't just add everything to be digital, right? Sometimes... And the best bit about my job working within the Legoland parks is that it comes down to a simple brick, right? And that is, doesn't have to be digital. And you can give a child an iPad, you can give them a video games console, but at some point as well, if you put a pile of bricks in front of them, maybe there's an instruction manual, maybe there's not, they're going to have fun with that. And, and I think that's what we all, we need to remember over the next five to 10 years that it, you know, we, yes, digital in heart, as long as it enhances the experience, fantastic. But at the same time, people want the ability to just to enjoy some, you know, some simple pleasures that maybe um, you don't have to turn an iPad or a TV on to, to enjoy. 
Absolutely, absolutely. So this brings me to the next part, which is all about technology. So I want to kind of talk about you specifically, you know, how do you think a, a job will change? Like, for example, let's take duty manager. You've had experience in that. How do you think technology is going to evolve and change the way we do our jobs more efficiently? Or is it going to do that? Do we just need our kind of common knowledge or common sense to do these kind of jobs? I, I think that's a great example. You know, the role of a duty manager in any kind of business or a manager on duty, whatever it's called, you know, it's always been about checking and ensuring that we're up to our standards. I think there's some great digital layers that we've added in over the years, digital checklists, uh, QR codes around the business that open up digital checklists, you know, duty managers walking around with iPads doing spot checks. I think that's fantastic. But the reality is, is, we still need to walk into that bathroom and ensure that restroom, that toilet block, ensure that that toilet block is clean and you know sanitized. We still need to walk up to our team members and make sure that they're having a good day. And at no amount of technology or checklist can do that for us. So I like to think that the technology we use and that we will implement within our business will free up our management teams to look after people, be it our staff or be it our guests better than them being stuck in an office completing a boring checklist you know so I, I hope that that technology so far has enabled us to free up our team and I and I hope that it will continue to do so what what's your thoughts about AI because I mean that's a buzzword at the moment um do you think AI is going to help these out at the staff on the ground to perform better and to get more information or kind of interpret data better than what they've done in the past? Yeah, look, we, we, we're delivering, you know, part of my team uh, looks after continuous improvement, which is all of our various technologies. And we're, we're looking at how AI can improve certain reporting of dashboards, um, you know, and, and, and I think AI can support us in how information is delivered, but you still need someone to interpret it and still need someone to adapt to what that AI report delivers. Um, AI can obviously interact with guests, but, you know, it's going to do simple tasks. But the reality is, is a guest can always tell whether they're talking to a computer or not, you know, any kind of chatbot online. You can always tell whether it's just a chatbot. So I think, again, as with technology, I think it's going to support us. Um, but I still think there is a need for that person to to interpret it and to deliver the results of, of that report or whatever it may well be. Yeah, I think that's a, a really interesting point actually is you know when we talk to people about most of my career now is is focused on tech in tourism and I think when we talk to people that you know people are worried about losing jobs to AI and so on and, and that's a, a real genuine fear I think that you know and, and right to be feared but we shouldn't be getting it to do the stuff that humans are really great at <laughs> exactly you know I once found out that one of our businesses was was using AI solely for the you know the first couple of interviews for any frontline member of staff, and I was I was genuinely quite saddened by that. And in the end, it it didn't work as well as it really should have done. And you know, to me, it's it's about that 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 you know that interaction that we have with people. And you know, you can answer a few simple questions on AI, but really, when you get down to it, you you want to talk to a person. Yeah, definitely. Um, you've led me actually fantastically because we've just talked recruitment and and sort of, you know, assessment centres and, and that kind of thing. But it, what do you think in terms of if someone's thinking today, OK, this this sounds like the, the role for me, you know, I want to get involved. 
Um, what do you think would be your top three tips for actually working in the industry? Do you think there's specific skill sets that are useful or I don't know, just anything that you've kind of seen over your years to think, actually, this is really great for somebody who's going to get into this industry. Definitely. Look, I, I think the thing to remember with our industry is that most people are, you know, brand new into the industry. They're coming and they, they've never done any of the jobs before that we need them to do, right? You know, but we can teach you how to work in a restaurant. We can teach you how to operate a roller coaster. We can teach you how to you know, maintain a roller coaster or a ride or attraction. We just need people who can be engaging, who are trustworthy, who are reliable, who can show up on time, um, who want to engage with people. We can teach you everything else. And, you know, those those are the things that I, I like to remind people of. You know, if people are nervous about our industry, that's what we're here for. We we teach people what to do. And to me, if 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 someone has got those softer skills, the the interaction, the smiles, and they, they want to show up to work and they want to engage with people, we'll teach you everything else you need to know. Um so you know, top three as it were, you know, it's 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 being trustworthy being reliable, making sure that people are showing up to work on time, uh, and then just being engaging. We want people to engage with our customers and we want people to engage with our staff as well. You know, your whole day, you're surrounded by your fellow colleagues and we want you to have fun, right? If you're not having fun with them, you're probably not going to have fun with our, our, our guests and our customers at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. Hiring for like personality is really key, I would say, as you what rightly said you can we can always teach you the skills of that actual job but we can't teach personality um so yeah it's just really finding the right people for the right jobs at the right time which is really really important on this it's really hard as well like you said phil that like it's really difficult to pretend you're having a good time it's actually very very obvious to a guest if you're not having a good day yes. or and you know as much as we can say to people you know leave, leave your worries at the door and watch her out and you know front of house and, and off you go that's actually much easier in theory than it is in practice you know we all have bad days etc but I think if you if you come at most days as you know I'm a pretty positive person that what brings out the best in me is interacting with people what brings out the best in me is you know the the kind of um qualities of you know giving good service and seeing other people have a good time actually that's that reflects and then that sort of grows because people see you having a good time and it improves their mood and so on I I do think that's a real it's absolutely really underestimated yeah no it, it really is and I think sometimes if people are nervous about joining our industry or looking at our industry you know it, it's really not that difficult right it's really not that hard to to come and enjoy yourself and you know you're either outside or you're in a lovely attraction that's you know that's world class and our guests are coming to visit you and you know we we get to work in some amazing incredible places within the industry and you get to pick that you know depending on what part of the industry you want to go into Um, and you've just got to have some fun and if you can have fun then our guests will have fun and what's really cool as well working in our industry because um, managers are hiring for personality, the teams are full of fire. They got so yes. much life and energy. Um, you literally got friends for life, and no matter how long you stayed in that role, 
it's it's really 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 kind of um, amazing to experience and and I know all three of us have experienced that of of kind of having friends for life in that kind of industry environment yeah absolutely you know my my best friend I met him in 2002 he was a, the best man at my wedding uh he's now gone off he's he's left the kind of the direct visitor attraction industry that we've been in for the longest time but then he he followed his his passion to become a pilot and you know he'll be taking off in his in his first plane within the next month or so so although not a visitor attraction he he's now gone off in that industry to to take people to those those visitor attractions and you know many of my many of my best friends you know are still within the industry and you know i can't i can't speak more highly of that um than uh than my my personal experience absolutely absolutely so um we're gonna kind of wind it down now um it's our last question we're going to ask you um and i want to kind of talk about your hobbies and your interests and how they have helped you motivate and energize your career so what sort of hobbies are you doing to energize yourself and motivate yourself absolutely um i i I love road biking uh, so that's pedal biking not not a motorbike that's that's far too scary for me Uh, i love road biking um, I have a kayak. Um, I love going out on the water. I'm very blessed with the area that we live in. It's it's full of lakes and, and rivers and, and actually our Legoland Florida Park that I live close to actually sits on a lake. Um, it's called the Chain of Lake City where, where we are. Uh, but actually one, one of my hobbies and you know my friends and family will, will laugh at it is I actually really like DIY. I can't say that I'm amazing at it but um you know, I, I visit what's called Home Depot in America, would be B&Q in the UK. Yeah. Um, and I, I honestly, I absolutely love it. And I, I joke with uh, I joke with my wife if I'm going there on a Saturday morning, but I'm going in to motivate the team and go and go chat with them at their morning briefing. And, you know, clearly I'm not because I don't work for Home Depot. But that's, you know, that gives me my my relief in my in my world to go off and enjoy and I'm just building and fixing things probably don't really need to be built or need to be fixed, but it's what I enjoy in my, in my personal time. Oh, that's yeah. got to be a, 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 a sure, a, a great fit for Lego though, surely. Just like yeah. You, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm only allowed Lego in my office at home. So I've got a home office and my, my wife tells me that I have to keep all of my Lego and my Lego work things within my office. They can't keep spilling out into the rest of the house. That's yeah. I imagine. I mean, I have a fair bit of Lego at home. Same. Like for me, relaxation is is hands. I have to be doing stuff. You know, like yes. building things and fiddling with things and making seeing how they they fit together and work. But yeah, I think when you've worked for Lego, it gets real difficult not to buy every set that comes out. Absolutely. Well, luckily, luckily for us, we have you know we have Lego on all of our meeting room tables, so you can sit there talking about. Uh, you know, whatever it may well be, but everyone will just sit there and just start building random things. And luckily, we don't build many swords and shields and start jousting in in a conference room, but we could do if we wanted to. Um, so, uh, you know, and that's a lot of fun. And a lot of our meetings we can then take outside. And most of my time here while I'm in Legoland, New York, is actually walking the park with, with people. I don't need to sit in a in a conference room to to find out what's going on. I want to I want to walk around the park and I want to, you know, see the things that we're delivering to our guests uh, firsthand. What's what's really interesting, what you're saying um, for me is kind of how you're using um, mental health 
and well-being to kind of balance your 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 job because i can imagine your day-to-day job could be very very intense especially opening attraction but having these hobbies and experience outside is kind of balancing yourself absolutely you know when we were when we first moved to korea um korean mentality is that you work until 6 p.m. Um, but, you know, very. I was very much used to going home at 5, 5.30 if we're not opening. And I would tell the team, I said, team, we're, we're not opening this park for another three years. I don't need you to do 8 to 10 to 12-hour days right now. I need you to just enjoy your life and get ready because when we get ready to open, we're then going to need you doing 10 or 12-hour days around the opening. And it's about that balance. And to me, it's about taking that time, you know, when you can. Um, you know, I'm very much about that. I travel a lot for work. Um, but when I'm home, then I want to make sure that I, en- I enjoy myself and I relax. Otherwise, when I go back to work, I'm going to be a really grumpy person that I don't even want to be around. So everyone needs to make sure that they're taking that time to to rest and to sleep and to just enjoy enjoy their, their family time or whatever it may well be so they can be the best person at work that they can. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I have just one more question and then I promise because I feel like we could talk for ages. But um, you said there about there being a distinction sort of between korea and the us and and i i wondered if you really do see um i've done some work in the the far east and carlton's obviously in the middle east at the moment you're in the us what kind of differences do you see that you've worked as you go you know obviously the working hours one being one but do you think there's a mentality difference in the industry about how the industry is viewed because i think that's really interesting Absolutely. Look, we've we've got ten Legoland parks in various parts of the world. We've got three under construction in China. Um, how people go about their work is very, very different. Um, you know, our team in China—they're always telling me about China speed and how fast we have to move. And you know, the the US is is more about kind of enjoying. You know, we've got a public holiday coming up here on Monday, and so the team are really gearing up for that for a busy weekend. So I think. In general, you know, every, everyone still goes to work, but everyone does approach things slightly differently. You know, some of our cultures that we operate in are a lot more humble uh, than others. Um, you know, us us Brits, we we like to shout about things and, and, and what we're doing, but some of our European locations, they're a lot more humble and they, they don't necessarily get to share those ideas. It could also be language. And, um, you know, my job is to take those examples and share them around the world. And certainly when it comes to, to language and a translation of language, that sometimes makes people think that they, they can't share their ideas because they don't necessarily, can't, they can't necessarily communicate it as well. And it's for us as a business to kind of help those people and encourage those people to, to bring those ideas to life and try and forget about those language barriers or whatever other cultural barriers there may be. Yeah, I used to work for a um, an American based company. We we were the U. I worked in the UK office, but for a US company. And I always remember that the the differences in meetings. You know, we would have customer meetings out in the US where it was whooping and hollering, and people oh, everybody absolutely. wanted to talk, and everybody wants to be involved. And then we'd bring the same meeting to the UK with the UK clients, and it would be like tumbleweed. You know, no one would want to speak first. Nobody would want. It. I think yes. the differences are really fascinating, and I think. For anybody who gets to 
work in different areas around the world sometimes it's a, a shock because you do think we're pretty standard as as far as work goes so that's we're, really we're, we're, re- we're really not we're any anything but standard sometimes you know and, and, and that's a good thing as well yeah yeah I mean it it, it certainly like you said that it, we can learn from each other people do things in different ways and especially with Legolands where you're effectively very similar footprints you know around the world is actually what can we learn from opening in different markets and what can we learn from maybe what we've done before but maybe didn't work and yeah I do think it's really fascinating no definitely so well thank you Phil it has been a real pleasure before we end um is there anything you desperately want to tell us about (laughs) and it could have been your new opening so sorry we kind of blew that surprise but (laughs) no no absolutely look I I think we're we're going through an element of change. Um, we we've got a brand new CEO. He joined us uh, last year. He comes from the the sports entertainment world. Um, I think we've got some really exciting things that are, are starting to happen within our industry. Uh, so within our company, um, you know, all all of the parks are, are kind of now opening up. Um, you know, we've got new attractions opening. We've just opened the world's first Jumanji ride and area at Chessington World of Adventures. It's very very exciting for us. Um, so we've got a, a lot of new things that we're opening up in our world, but I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And I think anyone who gets to visit our attractions um, will, will have a great 2023 and beyond because we're looking to do some great things. And, and in general, the industry is, is looking to do some great things as well. Fantastic. Um, cool. So if our listeners would like to find you somewhere, Phil, where would they find you if they if they want to learn more about you and, and, and about your life or maybe reach out to you or see what you're up to yeah you look they can find me in any one of our 10 legoland parks around the world that's you know i, I get to visit all, all of the attractions uh twice a year uh but you, the, probably the best way would, would be on linkedin um to to add me or to 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 follow me on i haven't got quite got to that point yet where i've removed the add me button and it's just a follow button maybe in the future as i as i maybe grow a fan base of- Maybe at the end of this podcast going out, you'll have so many fans who are Honestly, really interested I'm, in what you're doing. Absolutely. And I might have to upgrade to LinkedIn Premium or something. But, Ooh. you know, I think I think LinkedIn would be the best way to, to kind of see what, see what we're doing. Um, and part of my job as well is to help tell those stories of things that we're doing within our within our business um and so yeah if you're wanting to to see what we're doing within our business it would be a great area to to follow me on that's brilliant well thank you so much for your time it has been an absolute pleasure Um, thank you both for asking me (laughs) you're welcome absolutely welcome thanks so much thanks for listening to the brand sign project in our next episode we're going to talk to the founder of jk consulting jennifer kennedy Thanks again to our season sponsors, Staff Savvy and Retail Integration. The Browsound Project was edited by Paul Tyler. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Brownsignpod. And you can find us on LinkedIn.